Greetings and welcome to our 13th episode of Soldier of Souls. We send out our best regards to the Catholic Churches of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and St. Henry's and to all of you, our fellow soldiers from all across the country and the world. We send out our heartfelt appreciation for joining us as we seek to follow the path of truth that guides us through our earthly life and leads us to our eternal heavenly home. As philosopher A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We are delighted to count all of you as part of our company as we trek together. Just a reminder, if you are finding that traveling with us is helpful, we encourage you to follow us and share our podcast with your friends and family. You are our only sales force, so don't be shy about spreading the word. Hi, I'm Deacon Tim Vaughn, and I'm glad to be back and healthy for my surgery. And I want to thank every one of you for all your prayers during my long recovery. Also, thanks to Linda Hurley for filling in for me. In fact, she's here today recording this podcast with me. Hey there. It was my pleasure to fill in for you. I'm so glad you're back. You feeling good? Yes, I am. You're looking good. Thank you. Well, it was just a wonderful experience to be able to sit behind the microphone. I'm so glad, though, that you're back. We missed you. Yes, thank you very much. And by the way, you did two outstanding podcasts over the summer. The first was on our Holy Blessed Mother Mary, and the other one was on St. Michael the Archangel. And I know you got more planned. I do. But everybody is going to need to be patient for that one because, first of all, we have a three-part series planned. Yes, and the first one is tonight. And we'll be back every other Thursday night with a new podcast. This is because life gets in the way and we have a lot of family commitments. So we'll be doing this every other week as opposed to every week. So anyway, while I was recovering, I had a lot of time for prayer and personal Catholic study. And I really enjoy studying the lives of the saints. As you may remember, my last podcast after Easter was St. Bernadette. Mm -hmm. And I started studying again and again the life of St. John Vianney, also known as the Curie of Ars whose feast day was August the 4th. But before we dig into the life of this great saint, first, we want to give glory to God by praying our Our Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now for the news and the pews for our local churches. 
The rite of Christian initiation, also known as RCIA, in our religious education classes are going to begin September 11th. RCIA will be from 8.30 to 9.30, followed by our religious education class from 9.30 to 10.45, before 11 a.m. Mass every Sunday. The gatherings will be at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish Hall. And we are excited to have these classes every Sunday. Also, we will serve a light breakfast and have plenty of fellowship. This is the way we had the classes last year, and everyone is encouraged to attend either or both for this fantastic opportunity every Sunday morning and to be enlightened by the teachings and the truth of the Catholic Church. This was a highly successful program last year, and I'll be glad to be part of it this year, but not for all of it, and I'll explain that in a future podcast. So, let us begin. Several years ago, where I was teaching, we were having a very important Mass with the guest visiting priest being the primary celebrant. I wasn't feeling very well that day, so I was not serving on the altar. So I sat in the back of the crowded church, out of the way, so no one would catch my cold. And as the priest began his homily, I pulled out my notepad, and yes, you can take notes during a homily. In fact, I will suggest it. And the first thing Father said was, God is simple. I've never forgotten that statement, and it applies to this great saint that we're going to study today, St. John Vianney. He was a very simple priest. Hmm, simple. But he certainly lived in complicated times, didn't he? Every bit as complicated and dangerous as our times today. Yes, Linda, you're exactly right. St. John Baptiste Marie Vianney, afterwards known as the Curie of Ars, which he became famous at, was born just three years before the beginning of the French Revolution on May 8th, 1786 at Dartilly, France, not far from the city of Lyons. Hmm. Fairly rural area, farming, Mm -hmm. herding, that kind of thing? Yes, exactly. And back in those times, large families were the rule of the day. And John was a fourth child of this very humble family, country parents. And what's unique to us, but not to them, was that he was baptized on the same day he was born. Wait, what? Was there a problem? What was the hurry? Well, this was not very unusual because that was due, one, to the high infant mortality rate. And secondly, and probably more importantly, is that folks at that time, especially his parents, took baptism very, very seriously, and they believed it was a key to gaining heaven. His parents were very, very devout Catholics and took every care to raise him to be a saint from the very beginning of his life. Really, this is the most important point of this podcast, is that his parents raised him to be a saint. Huh. So what kind of things are we talking about here? I'm not sure that moms and dads often 
think quite like this today. No, they don't. I mean, you know, you think of moms and dads today, they want to have their first words being mama and dada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but in St. John Vianney's instance, his first words were Mary and Jesus. Now imagine that. Now the first gesture he was taught was to make the sign of the cross. And now even as a child of four or five years old, John would often retire to a place of solitude in his house somewhere. And as the record would say, he spoke with his guardian angel. Well, that's certainly a contrast because often nowadays the goal seems to be gaining the world and losing one's soul. Saying yes to culture and no to our God-given boundaries. Yes, yes, that is often the case today. But John Vianney, what's so important about him is that he was a pious boy from a very young age. And he was one of those kids you looked at and said, he's going to be a priest. You know, and people know that from a very young age. I got a question. You just used the word pious, which is kind of an old fashioned word. How would you define that? Well, let me read you the definition. Okay, let's use the actual definition here. Is that pious is a type of faithfulness that prioritizes prayer, devotions, worship to God, and intentionally focuses on living as Jesus taught us. How important is that? Very. Now, let me give you an example of John's early life. When he was about four years old or so, his mother Maria, it's a great name, because in Europe it's usually Mary. Yes. Yes, uh, thought she had lost him. And his mother and he had a very special and close relationship. And Maria called out frantically. Now imagine losing your four-year-old child mm. if you're a parent. Panic. Pure panic. I mean, losing, I remember losing my son one time in the department store. I did the same thing once. <laughs> Awful. Yes, you find him hiding in clothes. So, but, but she assumed the worst because she couldn't find him anywhere. Imagine they were on a farm, and when he finally heard his mother's cries, he obediently responded. And Maria realized that his voice was coming from outside the farmhouse. Now, to her astonishment, she found her little John in the backyard, kneeling in front of a small statue of Our Lady deep in prayer. Wow. You know, I think he really would have had to have seen that kind of devotion modeled to do that at such a young age. But then, I guess that back then the faith was so tightly woven into the actual fabric of everyday life for Catholics. Prayers were said throughout the day. Um, I, I know that I remember that uh, work even would stop at noon. Uh, they would ring the church bells and everyone would stop and say the Angelus. Mm -hmm. um, the seasons were observed carefully, either with feasting or fasting, special masses, processions. One's life really centered around the life of the church. Exactly. And the church was the center of everyone's life. And that's what's so important during that time. 
And this is why times were so rough during this time of France. In 1790, when John was only four years old, the anti-clerical terror phase of the French Revolution mm. was taking place. The Catholic Church then was absolutely decimated. And those who clung to their faith had to force to practice it in secret. Now, while it was really neat, as far as John Vianney was concerned, he saw these priests as heroes. And so his pious nature saw these priests as men he wanted to emulate. Because, now I want you to think now, would families now want to walk five, seven, ten miles to go to Mass? They hardly want to drive two miles to come <laughs> yes, to Mass. Exactly. They already, some people said, I can't even get out of bed to go to Mass. There you go. But his family traveled long distances by foot to hear clandestine masses and to receive a sacramental formation in obscure places through the underground church. And these people were literally risking their lives defying secular authorities. Wow, that, that kind of sounds like how the house and underground churches are today in places like uh, China, other places in Asia, Islamic uh, countries. That's, that's how they're having to meet. Were the persecutions that bad in John's time? Oh yes, they were, and probably even worse. All religious congregations were suppressed and wearing clerical garb was forbidden. Priests loyal to the papacy were found automatically guilty of fanaticism and sentenced to 10 years of imprisonment if not executed. Mm. Churches were closed. Some were totally destroyed or desecrated. Monks and nuns were driven from their cloisters. Can you imagine that? They came and took them. The lucky ones were able to get into hiding. Mm. They conducted their ministry in secret, risking their lives in the process. Processions were forbidden. Crucifixes and religious artifacts were stripped out of churches and destroyed. Now, Linda, imagine all these things taken, paintings, statues, and everything, all these beautiful things done over the centuries, completely destroyed, never to be seen again. Yeah, you know, I, I think I also remember reading about uh, the War of uh, Vendee that occurred when John would have been between maybe seven and ten years old. Um, I don't think probably a lot of news about that came to where John lived. Uh, he would have been maybe 380 some miles away from the fighting. But the Catholics of that region fiercely defended their faith and their rights against the revolutionary regime. That's a story of courage, obedience, faithfulness despite terrible odds. It was against mainly common people that were fighting. They weren't trained military people at all. And the conquerors who were the trained military showed no mercy when they finally defeated them. In fact, uh, the leader of that uh, group of soldiers, General Westerman, uh, he was the commander of the Republican, French Republican victorious forces reported to his political masters at the time and said, Vendee is no more. Mm. 
According to your orders, I have trampled their children beneath our horses' feet. I have massacred their women so they will no longer give birth to brigands. I do not have a single prisoner to reproach me. I have exterminated them all. That is absolutely horrific. Yes. Can you imagine somebody actually saying that and being proud to say it? Yes. That was simply a horrible time for those who resisted. And it's kind of like in China, where the government-approved priests are protected if they swore allegiance to the government and followed their rules and regulations. Yes. That is just wrong, in my opinion. Likewise, education managed for centuries by the church was nationalized and then secular. Catholics had to hide teachers and educate their children at home. This is what John Vianney was taught. He was taught by his mother and his sister, and they had to try to live in secret, very much like the first century Christians. Mm, sounds like it. Yeah, and they hid, you know, the first century Christians across, hid in the catacombs. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so this was much like that time. And to further de-Christianize France, a new civil religion was introduced, so it was called patriotism. The Gregorian calendar was eliminated and replaced with names related to nature. To abolish Sunday worship, months were rearranged to contain only three weeks of ten days apiece, thus designating every tenth day for rest. This was evil at its absolute worst. Yeah, yeah I actually see, though, some parallels in the various kinds of disinformation, redefinition of words, in this case, a redefinition of the days of the week, censoring, all of that that occurs today. Of course, it isn't as authoritarian as it was back then, yet. Mm -hmm. I wonder also how we who have a fairly comfortable, convenient life, how would we respond to that kind of tyranny in our times? That's something to think about. Because I'm not sure how I would respond to that. That's, um, I don't know if I would have the courage that, let's say, like somebody like St. John Vianney had. Or even the priests that he really did think were heroes. Exactly. Yeah. Because they were, they were brave enough to keep doing Mass. But John Vianney was so pious as a youngster. He was so devout that this was a severe trial for him, mm. that at an early age, he had this high importance of apostolic teaching. He'd learned this from his mother. So despite any fear he may have had, he was able to promote and eager to promote the love of God, even gathering the village children about him and preaching impressive sermons to them in this very simple and earnest way, even as a child. Wow. And this is really neat. As he grew up, he occupied himself with work on the farm. He minded the cattle. He did other humble work on the farm. And in years, when his name was mentioned with pious admiration by numberless Christians, Father Vianney was wont to recall his early years saying, how happy was I when I only had to care for my three sheep and my donkey. Then indeed I could pray to God according to my heart's 
desire. Mm. That quote is really a wonderful illustration of John Vianney's simplicity, isn't it? It really is. I mean, I just love that quote. You know, you just with this animals, especially this donkey. His donkey, yes. yes. You know, it's you know, and what's amazing is John received his first communion instruction in a private home with two nuns whose community had been dissolved during the revolution. And it's been said, I've read this many places and heard by many in many sermons, that he received his first communion at age 13 in a barn. Now, when I first was reading this and typing it out, he received his first communion in a barn and Jesus was born in a, in stable. a stable. Isn't that an interesting parallel? It is. Now, during this particular mass, when he received his first communion, the windows were covered so that the light of the candles could not be seen from the outside. Secret, secret. They had to be so careful. So, at 13 years old, when John made his first communion and prepared for his confirmation in secret, perhaps it was actually this violent and uncertain environment that God was able to use to influence him very deeply and help create the priest he was to become. You noted that he had a lot of religious devotion woven into his daily life. And John's diligence and obedience and work and prayer, his humility, his simplicity in trying to spread the gospel, even as a child, the faithful perseverance to courageously continue to practice the faith despite all those dangers. You're exactly right. His life story is an example of staying on the Christian path of truth in the face of hard and threatening circumstances that surrounded him starting at a very young age. That's the very thing we try and highlight in every one of our podcasts. Yes, we do. And as we continue to follow John Vianney throughout his life, you see how these characteristics grow and develop within him. So let us now pray a Hail Mary and Thanksgiving for the life and ministry and the example of St. John Vianney. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, in our next podcast, we'll continue with part two of our series of St. John Vianney. How the lessons he learned applied in later vocation, in his studies, and in his priesthood. Until then, remember the words of Jesus, wide is the road to destruction. So we urge you to stay on the path. So until next time, may God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God speed you on your sojourn.